Thank you, Erica and Bill and everyone who has been involved with making our music so beautiful tonight. Not to sound like Joel Osteen, but um, <laughs> I just have to wonder when I say but, you know. Uh, I, I found something funny, and I always like to start with something funny, right? Uh, this is a card I got from the Weeks family, and uh, yeah, some of you are already laughing because you know it's going to be tacky. Uh, this is a picture of um, three women on the front sitting on uh, camels, and one of them says, well, if it isn't Joseph and Mary, and on her particular camel, it has a bumper sticker. So you knew that camels had bumper stickers, right? <laughs> So it says, our son is an honor student. <laughs> the one in the middle who has very much a look of disdain on her face as she looks over at Mary is, our son is in medical school. And then Mary's camel says, our son is God. <laughs> so top that, right? I told you I'd get you back. If I had to pick... The most used phrase of this past year, it would be fake news. And we've heard that a lot lately, haven't we? Fake news. News of fake news has been, at least it seems, all the news. According to Wikipedia, uh, which is, this is a relatively new entry, I think, uh, fake news is when websites deliberately publish hoaxes, propaganda, and disinformation to drive web traffic inflamed by social media. These sites are distinguished from news satire as they mislead and profit from readers' gullibility. While most fake news sites are portrayed to be spin-offs of other news sites, some of these websites are examples of website spoofing, structured to make visitors believe they are visiting trusted sources like ABC uh, or MSNBC, the New York Times pointed out that within a strict definition, fake news on the internet referred to a fictitious article which was fabricated with the deliberate motivation to defraud readers, generally with the goal of profiting through clickbait. And there's a new word for 2017, clickbait. Um, and by the way, some say Wikipedia is fake news as well, so probably none of that that I just read is true. <laughs> it's uh, frustrating in these days, isn't it? Especially when we have no idea if we can trust the news site. And we really know fake news is nothing new. And you can see that in this National Enquirer uh, tabloid cover. <laughs> because it actually is true. Right? Um, there is, it says at the bottom, Secret Service Building, Special Nursery, and the White House. This, of course, was a, a few years ago. Actually, that's not true, kids. It is not true. Um, although it could be. But it once was funny to be able to hear fake news and to, uh, to, to watch the reports go by of things that we knew were not true, but we would uh, laugh at them as we saw them. But in these days, it has become really serious. 
it has become destructive, perhaps even determining the outcome of the presidential election. So how do we know what's fake news and what's real news? How can we actually know the difference? Well, the news that we just heard about pertaining to the birth of Jesus, it really stands out in stark contrast to all the fake news that we've been hearing about. And as we look at this, we can, we can see darkness and light. And it, it completely fits right in with the theme that we are celebrating this Christmas time. But it is, as the angel told the shepherds in the field, good news of great joy. And we come together on this Christmas uh, or this Christmas Eve. By the way, we will not be here in the morning. This is our combination Christmas Eve, Christmas Day service. But we come together to celebrate for the reason that we have heard the good news and that we believe it to be good news, don't we? To be good news for us as we come into this place that we would be able to claim it for ourselves and say, yes, I believe that it is true. I believe that it is good. But in light of the fake news, how can we know what makes the good news of Jesus really true and good? Our scripture for tonight gives us several things to consider. We've heard from Isaiah chapter 9, uh, 2 through 7. We've also heard from Luke's gospel, uh, the most famous uh, scripture that we read uh, for the Christmas story. And as Luke takes us into this narrative, we're able to reflect on the words of Isaiah. And the first thing that we find there is the good news of Jesus is good because it shines through our deepest darkness. This is the wording that Isaiah used uh, going out to Judah in their captivity, stating that if you look again at the Scripture, it says, "...the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness..." On them, the light has shined. I think I mentioned last week how uh, good it is to write out the Scripture. Uh, if you really want to meditate on the Scripture, just get out a piece of paper. You remember what paper is, right? A piece of paper and a writing utensil. And to uh, write out the Scripture, just to go through and write it out, and it will slow you down. It will cause you to think about it. And as you think about it, you will meditate upon it and it will stick in your soul. As I was doing that with uh, both of these Scripture passages earlier this week, I just stopped at that deep darkness. I'd really never thought about it like that before. I mean, how dark can dark be? And how deep can darkness be? And I thought about the ocean and the depths of the ocean that uh, there are so many places we have not been able to go uh, because they are so dark and so far down. And as we think about this darkness that Isaiah is writing about, we know these were people in deep darkness. But on them, a light has shined. Isaiah had a uh, pretty good grasp on the horrible condition of captivity, of living in a foreign land, dark to them, not only psychologically, but it was dark to them spiritually and socially as they lived under the yoke of their burdens. And as, as uh, April read that scripture, uh, that imagery probably came into your mind about a yoke carrying a yoke or, or you, you can picture an ox 
that is carrying a plow and, and the heaviness, the weight that is on it, but also the rod of their oppressors, the injustice, the oppression that was put upon them as they were taken from their land and taken far into captivity. But Isaiah wanted them to know that the darkness was not so deep that God's light couldn't get to it. It was coming to them. It was kind of this now and not yet. The light is coming, but it's going to to come even more brightly in coming days. They would see it in a child. In a, a, a child that is in line for their king. One who would restore what was theirs and bring justice back to their land. Isaiah is really big on justice and righteousness because these were two great things they were lacking. Well, just as they were in a land of darkness, don't we live in one today? We come together with candles and in just a few minutes we will light, each one of us will light a candle in the midst of darkness, remembering just what it means to be in darkness. But even more so, what it means to be in the light. And unfortunately, we find ourselves in dark places and in dark times. I think you would agree with that assessment. And some of you might even prefer to add that that word deep to your darkness. This time of year, it can be really dark. Even with all of the, the songs and the joy and the presents and you know, all of the, the great things that go along with the Christmas season. We can experience the darkness. Maybe it's the darkness of losing a loved one. Maybe it's the darkness of things not being what they once were when you got together for Christmas. Maybe it's the darkness of having no gifts that would be under the tree. Maybe it's the pain of an illness. But we know how dark the darkness can be. We think about it in our world. I mean, who would have thought an elected leader, uh, the incoming commander-in-chief, would be talking favorably of an arms race, a nuclear arms race, in a post-Cold War world? Our place in life can be dark as individuals as we try to make our way in it. Our place can be dark for us as a church as we try to get out and serve in the midst of darkness. Uh, I think some of us get jaded to it. Uh, I do. And uh, the other day somebody came in, went downstairs, broad daylight, takes a computer, brand new computer, and runs out the door with it. And uh, you just think, it really is kind of dark around. I mean, who would do that? And, and Joe was on Facebook, so if you see some crazy Facebook posts, it's not Joe, it's whoever ran out the door with our computer. We have him on camera, by the way. It's none of you, don't worry. Our place as humankind can be deeply dark as we seek to live together in peace and to survive, to survive on this planet. And sometimes as we look around, we wonder how that is going to be. It is in such darkness that we need to hear that there is a light coming for us that no darkness could ever cover. The light is too bright. And what we recognize at Christmas is that it has already come. 
It came upon a midnight clear. It came into an animal pen. It came into a manger. And it is still shining in Christ Jesus. And it will get even brighter as we receive and as we carry it as we go from this place. But a second consideration is the good news of Jesus is good because it is for all people. As the angel said, uh, the shepherds were tending their flocks by night and said, good news of great joy for all the people. Notice how the angel didn't say, it's only for the elite back in Bethlehem or in Jerusalem. It's only for special upper class people. It's only for people who have their lives all together. It's only for people who have wealth. That's not what the angel said at all. The angel went out to a bunch of poor shepherds and said to them, good news of great joy for you, for all people. And the fact that the shepherds were hearing it was proof of that as they were just ordinary country folk who were trying to make a living. What God was doing in their land was not just for them, it was for everybody. It was for the world. And it was for us too. Or rather, I should say, it is for us too. It is good news. And I want to ask you tonight, are you getting it? Are you getting the good news? Are you hearing it? Are you allowing it to come into the darkness of your life and to bring light? And this fast and furious, furious season, reports of it, uh, are really all around us, aren't they? And the songs and the carols of Christmas that we've heard even here tonight and, and those that we have sung. And the generosity of people doing things for one another, uh, even for strangers. I've noticed that, especially being around here, um, that people are doing things for one another. People in the community are doing things, even if no one knows what they're doing. I see this happen a lot. People serving one another. And it gives us hope for humankind, doesn't it? That people can love one another. But also in the vibrant colors of the Advent wreath that we have looked at for the last four weeks, the greenery and the purple and the pink as we've talked about the vibrant aspects of the season. But also in the words of the prophets of long ago, those words, hope, peace, love, joy, they are for us. They are for our world. And yes, there is darkness all around. But God has already broken through it with the light of Jesus. Finally, if all of this good news sounds too good to be true, I would say to you, it is also verifiable. The angels and the multitude of heavenly hosts that were singing backup uh, there that particular night invited the shepherds to go and fact check what it is that they had heard. They were to go to Bethlehem and find, and I love this phrase that, that Luke uses, this thing that has taken place. That's what these guys were saying out there. Let us go and see this thing that God has done. This thing that has taken place. Let's go check it out. And they did. They went. And what they found was a baby lying in a manger, just as they had been told. On Christmas Day in 1531, a long time ago, Martin Luther preached from the Christmas story at the morning service 
and from Isaiah 9-6 at the afternoon service. Uh, this was back when, uh, and this is how we know Luther was Baptist. Actually, Luther wasn't Baptist, but he could have been because they had two services. They had a morning service and an evening service. And I remember whenever Christmas would be on a Sunday when I was growing up, uh, we went in the morning and because we did it every Sunday and I think God said to do it, we would go on Sunday night, on Christmas night. And this is what they did then. He began the afternoon sermon by quickly recalling that the congregation had heard the Christmas story earlier in that day. He told them that they would not hear it again. Rather, they would learn how to make use of the Christmas story. Luther then turned to the words of the prophet Isaiah, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. And they were to go on from there, making use of what they had heard. Now that we've heard about this child that has been born into our world, how will we make use of it? What will we do with this Christ that has been born into our world? The season of Advent has helped us recognize the darkness and our longing for hope and for peace, for joy, even in places and in ways we could never imagine it. The season that begins now, in just a moment as we light the Christ candle, is all about the light and the salvation that it brings to us. Not only to us, but to all people. The light is shining, and we must move toward it. This Christmas season, may we individually, but also as a church, may we embark on a fact-checking trip that goes all the way to the manger and beyond to see this thing that has taken place. Let us pray.